A pleasure being here once again and for all those that are logged on 
to the word i would like to say thank you and all scriptures will be read from the king james version it's a continuation where i had spoke last week about the fourth foundational pillar of civilization and uh, that was based on the god-ordained requirement that children honor their parents to ensure their well-being on the earth and today i would like to speak about the fifth foundational pillar of civilization was the reintroduction of trust in god through abraham the father of faith so as i start before god created adam then later created eve to assist him his articulated plan was that they should control and have dominion over planet Earth. And the following quotes surely substantiates this fact. So we read from Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 which states, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So that was read from Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Now, if one were not conversant with the whole creation episode, one might assume, based on what I read from Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, that Adam and Eve were created in the same way and even on the same day. And that would doubtless be understandable and quite reasonably so. However, when one reads chapter 2 of Genesis, one soon understands that Adam was created a good while before Eve and surely by a different method. Now this difference ought not to be treated with triviality. For hidden in these respective modes and time sequence of their creation are deep lessons of honor and authority for us today. So brethren, the fact that Adam was created before Eve places him in a position to expect and receive due respect and honor from his wife. And this fact can be confirmed by reading Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23, which states, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. And the fact that Eve was cloned from Adam and was created to assist him, as we read in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it puts him in a position of authority to receive due respect from his assistants. And this has placed the awesome responsibility of the guardianship of his wife and his home squarely upon Adam's shoulders. And this fact is supported by Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 to 18. So what I will see based on that statement made right is that anything that was done under his supervision without any protestation would have been done with his authorization now this point that i'm making right is born out of the fact that although it was eve who first ate the fruits which they were forbidden to eat 
the burden of rebellion was placed squarely on Adam's shoulder. So, the statements made can be confirmed by if we read the book of Romans chapter 5. So please read Romans chapter 5 for yourself to confirm the statements that I just made. So for those who might doubt in the statement that I just made, although it was Eve who first ate the forbidden fruits, Eve's name was never once mentioned as having transgressed. So that is to cater for those who are in doubt with the statement that I made. So if you read Romans chapter 5, you will see that although Eve who ate the forbidden fruit first, Eve's name was never once mentioned as having transgressed. So appropriately, every mention of transgression is pinned on Adam. And one will wonder, why is this so? And the answer is a simple one indeed. And it is this. Whomsoever God assigns and authorizes, the same is held responsible and accountable for that assignment. Now, since Adam was first created and placed in the garden to dress it and keep it, or we would say guard it, the responsibility of governance was placed squarely upon Adam's shoulder. So if you read Genesis chapter 2, 15, for those who are in doubt with my statements today, read Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, if in doubt. In addition to what I just mentioned, and most importantly, is the fact that Adam's tenure of governance and his God-given right to remain in and enjoy the pleasures of the Garden of Eden were indexed to his honoring of his creator by obeying his directives. So undoubtedly, Adam was well aware of this and must have resisted Satan's attempts to entice him to dishonor God. And as far as the records show, he succeeded until Eve came on the scene. And the rest of the story is a sad history of the fall of Adam and by him, the whole of the human family. And had it not been for the foreknowledge of God, mankind would have been doomed eternally. But thanks be to God for his infinite love, for his crowning creation, and for the recovery plan which was planned before and initiated at the foundation of the world. And 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 Titus chapter 1 verse 2 or Revelation chapter 13 verse 8 surely confirms the same. So with the, with the above mentioned plan in place from the foundation of the world, God had one more hurdle to overcome before he could have offered man his recovery and restoration package. And what was that hurdle? So one would ask, what was that hurdle? And the answer follows like this. Now, since God had already committed the governance of earth to man, even to Adam, as Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 states, then to Adam and Eve, as Genesis chapter 2 verse 20 to 24 states, God had to find another man 
who would dare to obey him in a test that far surpassed that which Adam and Eve had failed. Once he could have found such a man, he would then have earned the legal right to make such an one the legal heir of this world and subsequently the father of faith. So this doctrinal fact can be verified by reading St. Paul's epistle to the church in Rome. Now the following excerpts confirms which I'm reading from Romans chapter 4 verse 13 which states for the promise that he meaning Abraham should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law but through the righteousness of faith and the next logical question that one would ask is this what did Abraham do to become the father of faith and the simple answer is this abraham exercised faith in god relying solely upon god's integrity and ability to bring his promise to pass now to inform or refresh your memory of abraham's trust in god which later earned him the title of the father of faith is not a difficult proposition at all which i am in fact indeed delighted to do now accordingly the first episode took place just after his encounter with melchizedek where two ordinances of the melchizedek order were celebrated namely communion with bread and wine and the ordinance of titan so for confirmation please read genesis chapter 14 verses 18 to 20 now, upon the heels of Abraham's encounter with Melchizedek, God appeared unto him in a vision and lavished platitudes of blessings upon him. In response to God's blessings, Abraham reminded God that a son was what he desired above everything else. Now, to reinforce his point that a son was what he wanted most, he told God that since he had given him no seed, his most trusted servant Eliza would be made his heir, as we read in Genesis chapter 15, verses 2 to 3. To Abraham's suggestion, God expressed his disapproval and countered with his promise. Accordingly, God subsequently brought him outside and told him to see whether he could count the stars and followed same with the following promise, which God said, so shall your seed be which is in genesis chapter 15 verse 5. now to the above humanly speaking we will see that as a impossible promise now abraham believed god relying solely on god's integrity and ability to make good his promise of genesis chapter 15 verse 5. So as a direct consequence of Abraham's trust in God, his faith in God was credited to him as his righteousness. So thus the doctrine of justification by faith was re-established and Abraham became the second God chosen head of the human race and by extension, the father of faith, even the father of all those who would later put their trust in God 
even as Abraham did. Now, with justification by faith being re-established as the God-approved method for securing the salvation of humanity, Abraham would yet have to pass another test in the area of total commitment and sacrificial submission to the will of God. Now, one may be emboldened to ask, why was Abraham subjected to another test? After having passed that crucial test of justification by faith in Genesis chapter 15 verse 6, and the answer is embedded in the fact that faith must be tested. Why it must be tested? It must be tested to ascertain the degree of trust which one reposes in one's creator. So, the following quotes undoubtedly confirms which i'm reading from first peter chapter 1 verse 7 which says the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold and per that perisheth though it be tried with fire might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of jesus christ so that's first peter chapter 1 verse 7. now Having explained the reason for the trial of one's faith, we see Abraham's faith being put to the greatest test of the ages. And the following, brethren, is my feeble attempt to capture the intensity of the trial of faith which Abraham endured. Now imagine, if you will, the mental agony that Abraham had to endure and overcome to be willing and committed to sacrifice that son for whom he and his wife had waited for until they were almost 100 years old. Imagine, if you can, the agony of having to conceal God's request from his wife and his son, in addition to having to build an altar to tie his son on same, and to plunge the sacrificial knife in the bosom of his son, for whom he waited for a great part of his life up to that time. And what did Abraham do? Abraham passed that test. Now, having passed the test, as I mentioned prior, of Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 to 18, not only was Abraham duly confirmed as a father of faith. In addition, he also earned himself the additional title of a friend of God. So read Isaiah chapter 41 verse 8, James chapter 2 verses 21 to 23 for confirmation. Now with the principle of justification by faith being relayed in Genesis chapter 15 verses 4 to 6, and the sincerity of Abraham's faith being confirmed in Genesis 22 verses 1 to 18. God now had the legal basis to justify all those who, like Abraham, would repose absolute trust in God, even if trusting him meant the laying down of one's life for one's faith. Now, one will see this as a great opportunity and that great opportunity was held out again to the human race after the woeful failure of Adam and Eve. 
Thank God for his wisdom. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his grace. And thank God for his patience, which triumphed in Abraham. The father of faith to God be the glory. Now, as we read the scriptures and based on the episodes given, and as I come to a close to this segment today, brethren, all God is asking humanity to do, all God is asking humanity to do now is to trust his wisdom, his love gift of his son, Jesus Christ, and his ways. If this is done, God has promised to take care of all our other needs, and he surely will. Now, the sad thing about man's response to this offer is that the people of planet Earth as a whole are turning their backs on so great an offer of salvation and have chosen instead the serpent's venom of the knowledge of good and evil. And the misery which mankind has faced to date, and that which they shall face in the future, is indescribable indeed, to say the least. And as I close this segment today, it is quite fitting that I remind you, my dear brethren, that the fifth foundational pillar of civilization is the reposing of one's trust in one's creator, even as Abraham, the father of faith, did. On the other hand, if the people of planet Earth continue to despise God's offer of so great salvation, God would be left with no other alternative but to unleash his promised judgments recorded in Psalm chapter 11 verse 6 upon them. And... What a calamity which shall befall the sons of men. So that's the end of my segment today. I will be live next week, Monday again. Remember that Jesus Christ will be returning. So please prepare yourselves for his return. All scriptures were read from the King James Version Bible. Spend time each day reading a Bible, even if it's one or two scriptures a day. Jesus Christ love you. I love you. Have a safe and productive week and bless. I'll be live next week Monday again.